Welcome to the Thunderstock Show, collection of brainstorms to enhance your life, liberty, and procedural property. Today is a very special guest that I met, I would say eh, four or five months ago through the worldwide network of Vistage. Melissa Carson, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks so much for joining. This is our second attempt at a podcast. It is the first successful one. Melissa, I understand that you have quite a deep experience with HR and your position is fractional HR, but more also leadership development. You have you have really niched within a niche. So can you sort of explain to me, give me a refresher and everyone else listening potentially as well, sort of how you got to this trusted advisor position today? Sure. I um, kind of randomly ended up with an HR career. Uh, never thought that was going to be the plan that I, um, the career I would end up with, um, started in banking, but ended up in um, in HR, worked for large organizations, um, Accenture, EPAM, so technology consulting organizations. And whenever I would describe the HR that I did, it was people like, oh, do you recruit? No. Do you do payroll and benefits? No. Um because what I ended up doing was really working with the business leadership around the programs and processes and how to get the best from their teams, how to create strategies related to getting the best um, that would drive growth, um, helping in acquisition integration. So those types of um, activities and uh, decided back in 2019 that I wanted to do the parts of the job that I love the most and decided to take a, a leap of faith and go out on my own and start my own uh, consulting and coaching business. And so I've been, um, this is year five, probably halfway through, uh, which in some ways seems like a really long time. And sometimes it feels like it just happened. Uh, but now I really simplify what I do to say, I help CEOs and their senior leadership teams lead better to help grow their businesses. And I also provide talent strategy and HR advisory support. Related but seemingly random question. Are you familiar with the show from HBO called Billions? I am familiar with it, but I have not seen it. So that should be next on your to-watch list. You know, if you're <laughs> ever going to crack open a bottle of red wine, I would suggest doing that. Um, one of the reason I bring that up, there is the concept of the show quick background is uh, a high-flying hedge fund uh, manager and the relationship he has with everybody else except for one person is pretty tenuous at best. Like he is, you know, one of these rebel type, these, <laughs> you know, tough to deal with, high achieving, you know, beats the, the rhythm of his own drum and no one else can hear it uh, except for he has someone that's in the, uh, basically her whole job is to do performance managing for him. It's like almost psychology, but really corporate and also communicating between him and the rest of the, the team. She smooths that together and she also scouts and identifies talent. So her name is Wendy, okay. right? So in my impression from, you know, your strengths and your experience and what, and sort of what you do and you don't do. So Wendy doesn't do payroll. She doesn't do benefits. Now she can suggest, hey, this person has a bright future, maybe give them a shot and a raise. 
but like that's not why she's in there she's in there to, to optimize human performance and that's what you do that's exactly it's a great definition cool so next on your list billions so tell me about something you said you said you know in 2019 you went on your own some days it feels like it was just yesterday and some days it feels like a real long time it's funny how how relative time can be <laughs> what is it what was it like in the beginning days so you know from when you started to you know, COVID in 2020. Yeah. I mean, it was interesting because you think, you know, what you're getting into. you like, you know, that you don't really, but you're like, Oh, I, I kind of got this. And you ask a lot of questions and you're, you're sort of throwing um, uh, spaghetti at the wall. Like what will stick because you just really need to get started. And so there's a ton of energy, a ton of excitement. And then when the first things come in, you're like, Oh, this is great. Um, and it was a little bit scary at first because I had two or th three things that hit all about the same time, different mm. types of work. And so I was like, Ooh, can I manage this? And it, you know, that all worked out and, uh, was doing some great work with a, uh, client and doing some travel back and forth and then COVID hit and that, uh, piece of work died earlier than I think it probably would have. Um, had COVID not hit, because I think their their business needed to to focus elsewhere than what we were working on at the time. So it was an interesting start. Mm. So it was a fast start, then a pretty immediate pause, and then it's a recalibration time after that. So how did you sort of no navigate when the world went more remote, online, digital? That part was okay, because mm -hmm. I had, having worked with a large you know, global organization, I was used to being part of distributed teams. Uh, I was used to using technology. I mean, we didn't use as much Zoom, you know, until the, the late end of, of things, but we were using conference calls all the time. And so, so much of my work had been like that. And I had worked from home off and on uh, for many, many years. So that part, I went proactively with my business saying, hey, my niche is not local. My mm -hmm. niche is in national or international, because it doesn't really matter for what the kind of work I do, as long as we can make the time zones work, you know, I don't care if my client is in Asia and I'm in the U S so mm -hmm. that part wasn't freaky. It was just more figuring out, okay, what is it going to mean? And, you know, they're probably not chasing what I'm working on right now. And so I ended up doing a little bit of work with, um, an organization here that, helps nonprofits around some of the basics of what was happening from an HR perspective around PPP and um, uh, some of the other uh, CARES Act and things like that, which wasn't my area that I really like to focus on, but it was what the need was at the time. Mm. So emerging issues or emerging crises were another place that people were reaching out for help. Yeah. Because yeah, it was new to everybody, right? You just yeah. sort of had a little bit of an advantage from being in that realm before. So- I guess, you know, to present day, now we're on year five. What are what are some of the things that you you absolutely have kept a part of your service offering and that have worked really well? And what are some things that you've added along the way? I think the one thing that has stayed is I really like the one-on-one -on -one coaching with leaders. Mm -hmm. Like I get a lot of energy out of it. I feel, I feel like I add value, but uh, I, it keeps me in tune with what what people are struggling with on a day-to-day -day basis. So I think that has stayed um, consistent. I think what I've added, um, 
probably some more specific targeted um, workshops that I'm offering and mm-hmm. more refining to more be more programmatic. So less about um, let me take your order um, for the work that you want and moving to um, more of that chef that's designing the experience of here's how um, I'd like us to work together. Yeah, I think that's incredibly... Uh, needed is the more you evolve it's like the more nuance it's like, it's like a science and an art combining that it's like yes there are some systems and programs and processes that we have to follow there's rules there's boundaries but every engagement can be different and i think that's a lot of the fun and being the trusted advisor um, and getting to know people specifically it's like fitting a program you know custom tailored fit versus off the rack if you will so what are what are some of the, like the biggest challenges that you've seen in the last five years that, le- that all leaders or you know entrepreneurs face from a leadership development? Like what what are their issues? You know, not specifics, but generalized. Yeah. Like, have you seen trends? Oh yeah, I mean, and it's 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 actually the things I often see with myself or I saw with myself. It's um, getting crystal clear on priorities. Um, if I look at any leader's calendar, you would say, where's the white space? Where are you planning, reflecting, um, brainstorming? It's not there. Or it's at 10 o'clock at night after they you know, are exhausted. So I think mm. that clarity of priorities and then boundary management to say, oh, I really do need this kind of time. I think that's a big one. And then I think the other uh, one that I see a lot is um, a lack of delegation, whether mm. it's confidence or trust or just letting go, um, that control factor. So it would be safe to say that, uh, oftentimes the clients or the the leaders that, you know, you work with, or you may intend to work with in the future have something in common insofar as they want total control. So it's like maximizing each minute of the day so that they feel like they left it out all in the field. And and then also having trouble with the delegation and elevation because maybe no one can do it as well as them or, you know, it's scary to, to give the ball to somebody else. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's a mix. The people that I tend to work with are high performers. So they're mm-hmm. driven. They want to succeed. Uh, they are often, and I, there are some I would say that are worried about giving up control, as you said. Um, I think some are more just not sure how to do it or where to mm. let go uh, more than they don't want to. It's like so they I have the desire, but they don't yeah. have the the methodology. Yeah. And I think part of why they end up working with me also is just they they want to be the best version of themselves. Mm-hmm. They know that they will do better if they get help and they raise their hand and say, um, I got, I, I need something here. Um, because they want to continue to get to that next level, whatever that is, um, in their organization, whether that's a nonprofit that is trying to grow their footprint or their, their, their donor base, or they are a CEO of a for-profit organization that's obviously trying to grow revenue. Um, or they're trying to be the place that people want to work. So yeah. hypothetical is, you know, let's just say I have a new software as a service um, business that I want to launch. Um, 
and I, again, I'm going to give you a hypothetical ideal client that would, would come to talk to you. Um, I've been in construction for 40 years. I'm approaching 60, but I have this uh, copyright and patent software as a service idea. I have investors. I have sales uh, meetings lined up with some large companies. Everything's exciting. This thing could be a billion dollars in a couple of years. But also, uh, I'm from little, you know, middle uh, middle Pennsylvania, and I don't even know how to use my smartphone all that well. And potentially, uh, you know, the only people I've hired have been in the construction industry, and they have to do a task that I project manage. So, Melissa, uh, you know, how could you help me, and how could you potentially, you know, help me uh, to see with clarity the next steps to take in this, you know, start this startup phase where there's some headwind behind me, but I clearly have these, these uh, gaps in my experience. Yeah. I think for me, I always start with what's your business strategy. So I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. This is the kind of business I want to launch. And here's my um, growth projections for the next year to two years. Okay. That's the, the key part. And then we look at, okay, to make that true, what has to happen related to the people? Are you going to do all the work? Do you want to do all the work? Um, if not, what is the other work that needs to get done? Um, and then mapping out what kind of team that person would need. Are they contractors? Are they employees? Are they? Is it just outsourced work like a bookkeeper um, or an accountant? And, and map that out. And from that, we look also at what kind of organization do you want to be? Like, what do you want to be known for? What, what's going to attract people? to come to your organization. And sort of five questions that I often go through there. And from that, we then say, okay, in addition to knowing the team, what are the things that we need to, to do around the people side of things? If you're gonna grow revenue by 20% or 100% that first year, okay, what does that mean around the people side? You need mm. to obviously do recruiting. Do you need to do specific sales training? Do you need to do specific customer service? Like, what are all the things? And, you know, as you go beyond that, if if you're going to be recruiting for talent that is not just local um, in your, your um, uh, part of the world, how are you going to build a team remotely? How, what, what kind of engagement are you going to need? So those are the types of things that we would tackle together. I know now not having used your smartphone ever, um, the technology piece might be the, the first thing of finding somebody who's your your tech savvy guru who's going to help set you up on a lot of those things. So prioritization uh, via reverse engineering the goal. Yeah. Cool. Um, can you share with me some, you know, maybe some stories of transformative, transformative rather, um, experiences in your career as a trusted advisor, like, like, do you have any, you know, uh, war stories, if you will, that you know, once once you you got through this problem solve, what it felt like and what it looked like on the other side. You know, it the story that comes to mind is a is a smaller one, but I for me it hit home. So I was I've been working with a client for a couple of years now, and uh the leader was having a challenge with, with one of their employees in particular. And 
we had been working through, do we redesign the organization to play to that, uh, to play to everybody's strengths? Small enough organization that, you know, reconfiguring is doable. And so we, we played with a variety of different operating models and organizational models. And, you know, we really recognized that the part of the problem was probably that that leader not being clear about expectations and not being clear about uh, how that person was performing. And, you know, went down a process and and ultimately the person ended up leaving. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's not the transportive part. But what we saw was through that work with the leader and, and their um, deputy um, on the team, they got much better about being really clear on expectations. And my the moment that I felt really, really proud is when one of them came to me at, during this last performance cycle and said, you know what, the things I wrote down around what this person was really good at and where they were struggling happened to be exactly the same of what that employee wrote down, which for me was like, we are being, we are communicating effectively together around expectations. We have that joint clarity. And for me, that was a proud moment because that wasn't that leadership team's sweet spot, um, you know, six months to a year earlier. So when the leadership team and the the staff, the general, you know, the employee can see, you know, how performance is good and bad, the same picture, that's when you're like, you know what, we're making some, some serious yeah. vision progress. So those are fun moments. Very cool. Yeah. I always find it, found it challenging in, in management when, you know, if leadership team and this, you know nothing, nothing specific, but if leadership team were to think, oh man, this employee not performing up to standard, you know, there's some disconnect between expectations, performance, not so overall happy, but then the employee thinks that they're the the team captain and they're crushing it. Mm -hmm. I find that to be one of the more difficult scenarios to handle. And what you're saying is it takes practice. It's a learned skill Mm -hmm. and there's a component of time and, and, you know, communicating and re-communicating. I, and I think it's one of the, that ex, that scenario that you pr- gave is one of the most common ones that I've seen, you know, in my corporate career, as well as outside is because we think we're clear because we know what's in our head, how we articulate that to somebody else may not be clear or how they walk away and hear what's the expectation. So I always talk about Brene Brown's um, storyline around painting done when I talk Mm. about expectations. And if you're not familiar with it, it, you know, think about like a painting behind me. If Mm -hmm. in my head, I tell you, Hey Ross, I want you to, um, I want you to paint me a picture. And that's the level of detail I give you. And you say, okay, I'm going to go paint paint a picture. And you Mm -hmm. don't ask clarifying questions. When you come back, you bring me a pen and ink portrait of, you know, your favorite, historical figure. And I'm like, well, what is this? Because I wanted a landscape. I wanted it framed. Um, I wanted it sort of this nice earthy look. And you gave me the wrong thing. You know, that's an over-exaggeration of the big difference. But so often that is the reality between employee and boss, you know, is that the disconnect is huge. Melissa, you're a parent. Yeah, you have how many children? Two. Two. I have one. My child at a year and a half 
if she goes to the to the bathroom in her you know unique toddler toilet, it's like round of applause, high fives, you know, huge celebration. I got a Valentine's Day card from her. It was like finger paint and you know assisted glued on crafts, and I'm like over the moon. It's the greatest piece of art. I make this analogy to say I would assume that with when you know you're at least one or two of your children are in the college age or around the end of high school, if they were to provide those same results, you'd be like, you can do better. So <laughs> yes. <laughs> so how how do you navigate the the entry level, the the you know, the 18, the right out of college, entry level, just starting the career performance management? with the more senior level maybe they've already had a full career but they've drifted off the track of you know performance objectives and measurables and you know what i mean like with with raised expectations comes um a different degree of painting that picture is what i'm trying to articulate i i think you're right but it might just be on gradations. Um, and I think it's going to depend also on the person. So mm. if you are somebody who's recently out of school and starting your first job um, type of thing, I think that manager's role is to be super clear and double check the expectations and and probably over ask questions about, do you understand? I mean, one of my favorite ways that I think works for both that, you know, early in their career and later in their career is if I give you an assignment and say, okay, here's the deliverable, you know, to do X, Y, and Z date, I would probably ask you, so tell me what you're, you know, what are you thinking about your approach? What do you think the risks might be? You know, what are you excited about? And get into that conversation so that I can actually hear what's your thought process. I don't need you to have it all thought up because I just threw this at you, you know, but more understand if they, you know, if they really do understand what you're talking about. Sometimes it's helpful to write down those expectations. You follow up in an email and say, hey, as we grade such and such is, you know, the plan. Uh, and so I think, you know, in a more seasoned professional who's maybe done the job for a long time, it's probably a conversation that still is, let's see where we we are not uh, speaking the same language mm. from the perspective as expectations. You know, I expected X, Y, and Z was going to happen. Here's what I've observed is happening right now. What's going on? Um, and figure out, is there a disconnect? Is there something going on with that person and personally that they just haven't shared yet? What's, what's the, what's the challenge? So in the one instance, it's, is setting the expectation of the assignment. You want this specific thing. We're getting crystal clear. But on the, the latter, it might be, hey, let's make sure we're looking at the same disconnects, right? Because obviously you know how to do this thing, but there's a misalignment with like, maybe you wanted a, a pastor, pastoral painting in let's say New England in the, the autumn time when the leaves are changing and they gave you one in summer. And you're like, look, you're like two months off. <laughs> like everything else about this is great. It's just the wrong time or, or something like that. Yeah. Whereas, you know, maybe they gave you some Picasso abstract art if they're an entry level. And it's like, oh, I just didn't tell you what kind of style. Yeah. You know, we weren't clear I, I on assumed the style. you knew what I was talking about. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, that's an interesting, that's an interesting thing that I think a lot of leaders, you know, when, when I've, when I've, uh, Again, I don't do leadership coaching. I more stick to the business development, marketing, rev, rev growth. Um, 
But one of the most interesting conversations I have to have, right, in order to spur change is to first get what their their picture is of how they got to where they are today. Like, right, mm-hmm. last year's numbers were this. What did we do? What beliefs do we have? What activities did we take? You know, who was on the team doing what? Sort of what's that picture? And you say you want this future goal, which is different than that. But now we have to shake things up a little bit and change because if you don't change, nothing will, you will not, the only thing I can guarantee if you don't change is that you will not hit your goal. Yep. So my question to you rather is, you know, from a bigger picture, it's like, how do you get people to change beliefs or, or buy into a future they may want when a lot of the time, what they believe previously has been successful because it's gotten to where they are. I mean, it's a good question. Like, and it's funny, I, I still use a mouse pad and on my mouse pad is the quote, if you want something you've never had, you have to do something you've never done. And it's, I mean, it's, if we keep doing what we've been doing, we're likely to get the same results or, or less or worse, because the world's consistently changing uh, or constantly changing. And if we don't adapt, you know, our business will probably become extinct over time. And so I think the adapting to change or that desire to change starts with what do I, what do I want to be true? And Mm. the simple, if then statement, if I want a a million dollar business, then who do I need to be as, as the individual, as the salesperson, as the leader how do I want to feel about it? I feel confident that I can sell anything to any, you know, whatever it is. And what do I need to do about it? Because if I don't believe I can see the path, if I don't see that that change is going to be good for me, I'm never going to want to do it. And I think there are always going to be things that we say, I don't really want to do that, but I want that end result. We all know that I really want that, you know, felt body with huge, with great muscles and really strong and able to run the marathon in you know, two and a half hours, you know, a, that's not really going to happen anyway, but there's no way it's going to happen. If I'm not willing to put in the work, if I'm not willing to change my eating habits or my exercise habits. And so some of it is it, or the vast majority of it is mindset around, Mm. do you really want it? Or do you want the perception of what happens when it's done? I had a conversation with somebody about a year ago around, you know, their desire for a promotion. And they were talking about the fact that they really did want to be, you know, a vice president in in that organization um, because of the optics and what that brought. But when they really started to think about themselves from a success perspective, they decided, I want the title, but I really don't want to do a what that job is and what I will have to do to get there. Mm-hmm. So it's no, it's not settling to stay here, but it's like, I realized I don't really want that thing and I don't really want to do that. So I think that's also a choice of knowing yourself well enough. Are you doing it for the optics or are you doing it because you really want it? Be careful what you wish for, because you might just get it. <laughs> Very cool. So when it comes to, to that sentiment, I don't want to let that one go. Cause it's, yeah. it's a good, it's a good line of thought. You know, how has what you wanted when you started your mm-hmm. trusted advisor leadership coaching uh, changed 
since you know from you started to now like what is the you know yeah how how is the the dream or the goal sort of evolved over time i think the one thing that has evolved the most is and when i started i was mostly working from a consulting perspective with you know corporate clients um, people that I had known from my network or my uh, former colleagues that had gone on to bigger places. And um, I loved that. And I do still enjoy it when that happens. But I realized what I really wanted to do was to work with those small to mid-sized businesses that are in that growth period um, or that they are small enough that they don't have a me in there where I felt like I could actually add a lot of value. Whereas a, in a big organization, I can add value, but there are going to be more people like me. I'm probably more of a capacity uh, play than mm. a capability play. And I like being that capability play. Um, and so I think that was a, a recognition for myself that that's the place that I think I can make the biggest impact. From a balance, from a holistic view of life, mm-hmm. how has taking the leap of faith and going out on your own versus corporate been from not just you know how you serve clients and, and what you do, but how you live life? Like how has it affected your lifestyle? And has it been, you know, what are the pros and the cons? Yeah. I I was lucky that in my corporate life, I had a good amount of flexibility. And work from home several days a week uh, when I wasn't traveling or commuting. But when I went out on 2019, I had, my daughter uh, rode horses and we were switching barns at that time. And we were debating one that was close to us and one that was, you know, more of a 45 minute drive. And we ultimately decided to move to the one that was further away because of the opportunity it offered to her. And for me, I, since I was now on my own and I was really managing my own time, I was able to let go of the guilt, even though before I would be, you know, working in my car or whatever, when I was doing activities for my kids, I felt like there was just a different, a reduction in pressure, mm. um, which was great. Cause it was also, um, you know, while my, my son was in, my kids were in high school and being able to see different events and being able to, to drive places and not feeling like I was letting somebody else down potentially, even though I, even though I was still working really hard, it was just, if that pressure released, I think the other thing that I found, particularly, you know, being in year five, I have really tried to slow things down a bit and not crunch as many things into a day. Mm-hmm. And sometimes for my driver personality, that's really hard um, to do that. But I am finding, you know, five years in that slowing down is actually enjoyable. Um, and actually having time to think and plan um, and do strategy and write, you know, I, I think it's given me a bit of that freedom and better perspective Mm-hmm. To be able to help other people who are in the middle of it, um, because everybody's not going to make the choice to go out on your own. And there's definitely pros and cons of that. But just if you can recognize the priorities that you want to make time for, I think before you uh, get burned out, I think it's important. It's almost, you know, you give the advice to clients, hey, you need to get some white space on your calendar. And now you're able to take that advice for yourself. Yeah. 
Very cool. One moment. We're going to pause here. All right. And we're back from the quick break. Melissa, if I had to ask you, how does 2024 look in terms of focusing and what things in your schedule you're going to cut or reduce? How do you plan on focusing <laughs> this year? What's the focus? Yeah, this is one of those things that is hard. And I've been working on it definitely this year to say, from my what I offer from a business perspective, slicing that down, getting really crisp for the things that I do outside of a business, also saying, how do I skinny that down to the things that I really enjoy the most and that I can make the greatest impact? So I have um, uh, created a, a um, document for myself that I've started using with my clients. Like what are my five success measures for this year? Like across my full part of my life mm -hmm. and how am I going to make those true? And so trying to get really crystal, those are the five things that has to be my focus. The other things, if I have time, great. Uh, but really trying to be more precise. And I have a, a business coach, um, that is pushing me also to, stay true to that, to simplify. And as another reminder, I pick three words a year and one of them this year is simple or simplify. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's my what, goal. What are the other two? Uh, the first one is uh, want um, from two perspectives to, to focus on the things that I want to do versus what I think I should do. But it also became what we were talking about earlier. If I want these things to be true in my life, what do I need to do? Mm -hmm. And it came to me as I was thinking about like, I want to be able to, to run a faster half marathon, but I don't really want to go out and do my strength work. I don't really want to do my, um, my rehab exercises, but if I want the other thing, then mm. I need to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, and then the second one was fun. I wanted to make sure I was, uh, building more fun into my life, but also the things that I want to do, how do I make those things that might not feel like fun, more fun. So that's the, actually the hardest one so far. Really? Yeah. Huh. Well, I think cool. as we get older, we sometimes forget how to have fun or what does fun look like? What and does so, fun look like is an interesting question because it does yeah. evolve over time. And, and figuring it out because you're like, okay, you know, I'm at a, a stage where my kids are now both in college. So life it looks starts looking a little bit different when you don't have all the kid activities and things like that. You're like, okay, what do I like to do? What do I want to do more of? There's transition periods too, study. right? Because what looks like fun to them now, well, now that they're in college may or may not include going out, partying. So lots of socialization, maybe late nights, maybe getting away with some unhealthy habits. Like I, I did in college where my body was just like, Oh, it'll, it'll be fine. Yeah. And then, you know, you build up a tab and you're like, maybe it wasn't fine. But then, you know, as you get older, like, you know, parenting, sometimes the fun is the, the kids activities or really engaging in that family time when they're in the house. So I think that's an incredibly powerful point is asking people, what does fun look like? Because if you don't have an answer, then like, it doesn't matter how much money you have in the bank or how felt and muscular you are and athletic. It's like, if you're not having fun, then is it, is that the, the true goal? Yeah. Is that the true purpose? So I want to ask my, my favorite question I, that I ask during interviews and podcasts is if you could give yourself 
from the beginning of your corporate career, right? Mm. Post-college, one impactful golden nugget. Like you had a time machine. You could only give one message, one lesson. Not to change the course of life, but that, you you know, it's stuck with you, you've learned. What would that be? I think, okay, I was, I was trying to decide between um, what would be the most impactful. I think it's to stick with my own path and to like to focus on what I really wanted to do. I think there were times where I definitely made some career moves that were, you know, others may not have thought that they were the right ones, um, but I did the things I want to do. And I think trusting that I was doing the right thing probably would have saved me a lot of energy. Like I did mm. those things, but I don't know that I fully believe that I was making the right choice mm. um, while I was doing them. Trust yourself mm -hmm. with your own path. Well, I think Melissa, that I think that one other one that I would just add real quickly is mm -hmm. figure out what you want to be known for, like really doing mm. personal branding or personality branding early in my career. Because I think that was something that was not as talked about early on that I think being known for something. Hmm. Very cool. Well, speaking of raising awareness and being known personally, how can people find you? What's the best way to connect? Um, yeah, this is your time to to plug your contact information if you want. Sure. I mean, I think the best way is uh, to find me on LinkedIn. It's Melissa Ryder Carson. I post daily on LinkedIn. It's all generally original content. Um, so you'll see things about leadership um, of yourself, leadership of others, upcoming workshops and, and programs. So I think that's the best place. I do have a website, uh, canopystrategies.co, um, in case you want to find me there. But LinkedIn is where you find me every day. Awesome. Thanks so much for joining me today, Melissa. It was a pleasure. And I hope that you go after what you want. I hope you have fun and hope everything stays simple. Thank you. Have a wonderful day. And I'm glad to have been here. Thanks. Bye.